Well, hi, I'm Lee Strobel, and today we're start. Well, I was going to say we're going to start a new series, but I'm not sure if you can call two parts a series. Maybe it's a mini-series uh, or a couplet or something like that, but it's going to be two weeks where we're going to talk about grace and truth. And, and that phrase comes from the words of uh, the Apostle John in John 1, verse 14, where it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And of course, we're called to be imitators of God as followers of Jesus Christ. So today, I want to talk about grace. And I want to begin by examining one of the most often quoted verses in the Bible. Uh, it's sometimes called the Mount Everest of ethics. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. What is it? That's the golden rule, right? Now, I'm from Chicago. And in Chicago, we got a different version of the golden rule. Our version of the golden rule is do unto others before they do unto you. Or then there's, there's the corporate version of the golden rule. Whoever owns the gold gets to make the rules. But Jesus' version of the golden rule is radically different from what other religious teachers taught before him. Previously, religious leaders taught a negative form of the golden rule, which is much less demanding. For example, 500 years before Jesus, uh, someone asked Confucius, is there one word that may serve as a rule of practice for all of one's life? And he replied, is not reciprocity such a word? What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. Notice the negative form of that. And two decades before Jesus, a student came up to the famous Rabbi Hillel and said, I'm ready to convert to Judaism on one condition, that you teach me the whole law while I stand on one leg. In other words, net it out for me. Give me the cliff notes. Give me the bottom line. And Hillel responded by saying, what is hateful for yourself, do to no others. That is the whole law, and the rest is commentary. Now, those maxims are helpful to some degree, but there's a big difference between those teachings and the teachings of Jesus. In some religious traditions, this negative version is based on selfish reciprocity. I won't hurt you because I hope in return you don't hurt me. I mean, that's just protecting your own self-interest. There's nothing particularly admirable about that. But the golden rule, as Jesus articulated, is based on selfless generosity. Jesus said we should be caring toward others, not so we get something in return, but regardless of whether the other person pays us back or not. Also, the negative form of the golden rule allows people to live passive and detached and uninvolved lives simply by not harming other people. But the golden rule that Jesus articulated calls on us to go on the compassion offensive. In other words, to grab the initiative, to be deliberately choosing a policy 
of being kind to others. For example, under the negative form of the golden rule, if you own a car, all you're really called to do is don't run anybody over. But the golden rule that Jesus articulated goes much further. It would say, uh, if you own a car and someone needs a ride, give it to them. When the widow needs someone to take him to the grocery store, take her to the grocery store. If a stranger is trying to get home, give him a lift. Be on the lookout for ways to serve people in a manner that you would want them to serve you. That's why I like to call it the grace rule. The grace rule. In other words, give others the grace that you would like to receive for yourself. Or put another way, as we receive grace from God, we should pass it along to other people who need it every bit as much as we do. It's loving God, you see, that enables us to love others. He not only enlarges our capacity for compassion, but he continually empowers us to spread his love to others. Trying to live out the golden rule or the grace rule without God is like drawing power from a battery. It's eventually going to sputter and it's going to run out of energy. But the analogy changes when you're not operating out of your own power, but you're letting God spread his grace through you. Mother Teresa said, the wire is you and me. The current is God. We have the power to let the current pass through us use us, and produce the light of the world, Jesus Christ. But how do we do that? How can we spread grace to others who are around us? Well, we can do it, I think, a lot of ways. And I'm going to mention three gestures of grace that we can express toward others. The first is the gesture of meeting a need. The gesture of meeting a need. Jesus, of course, met people's physically needs all through his ministry. In fact, Luke 7, verse 22 says, as a result of Jesus' ministry, quote, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And so when we serve others as Jesus did, when we meet needs in the name of Jesus Christ as Jesus did, then eyes will drift heavenward toward our heavenly Father who motivates us against the grain of this me-first world to put other people and their needs ahead of our own. I was thinking of this at uh, the funeral I went to a while back for my friend Bill McMillan. Uh, Bill was uh, a follower of Jesus. He was a financial counselor, and uh, he was much beloved in our community because of the needs that he met in people's lives. In fact, they put microphones up uh, at his funeral, and people would come up and tell stories about how Bill impacted them by meeting their needs. One of the women who came up in tears was a woman named Mary. And she said that her husband of 18 years just walked out on her one day. And it left her broke and confused and um, scared in financial hardship. And so she went to Bill, because he's a financial counselor, for some help. And Bill did help her uh, try to organize her finances, but he also invited her to come with Bill's wife, Millie, and him to church. And, and she did, and she came to the church, 
and listened with them to the sermon. And then afterwards, they sat in the atrium of the church, and they talked for hours about God and about his grace that is available to her. And at the end, as they stood up, he pressed something into the palm of her hand and turned and walked away. And when she looked, she realized it was two neatly folded $100 bills. And it turned out that Bill McMillan, who who is not a wealthy man, uh, would keep money in a certain compartment in his wallet. And every day he would pray and he'd say, God, lead me to someone today who needs this more than I do. And most days, nothing happened. But on that day, God brought Mary into his life and he met that need, financial immediate need that she had. And Mary said, it touched my heart so much that it opened her to God. And she ended up receiving God's grace and becoming a follower of Jesus as a result. So here's my question to you. Who in your world has a need that you can meet in a way that might point them toward the love of Jesus Christ? Hold that thought. A second gesture of grace we can express is the gesture of affirmation. The gesture of affirmation. We see this in Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now, there was hostility between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans were considered to be half-breeds. And certainly an unmarried Jewish rabbi like Jesus would generally never converse with a Samaritan woman, especially one with who, whose lifestyle was so questionable that she was forced to go to the community well at noon in the heat of the, of the midday sun when respectable women were at home in the shade. In fact, this woman was a, a five-time divorcee who is currently living with a guy. And yet, Jesus does something extraordinary. Jesus does something unexpected. He stops and he speaks to her. John 4, verse 7 says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, in that culture, offering a drink was considered to be an act of friendship. And so we can loosely paraphrase what Jesus was saying there. He was saying to her, in effect, will you be my friend? And what was he doing? He was looking beneath her sin. He was seeing her image, her her, her soul made in the image of God. And he was affirming her dignity as a human being who's loved by the Father. I mean, Jesus had this reputation of being known as a friend even of sinners. In Matthew chapter 8, we see the story of uh, someone with leprosy who approaches Jesus. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, you may know that lepers were considered to be outcasts. They were ostracized in that culture. People were deathly afraid of catching leprosy by um, being too close to someone who had the illness. And yet, Jesus does something extraordinary. 
He could have healed that person with leprosy. He could have healed that person from the moon. He could have healed them from a thousand miles away. But instead, he reaches out his hand and he touches him. People did not do that in that culture. They didn't touch someone with leprosy, but Jesus did. Why? Why would he do that? I think it was a way of emphasizing the value of this human being, that he matters to the Father, that he is loved by the Father, that he has worth. Jesus, by touching that man with leprosy, gave him dignity. So here's a question for you. Who in your world needs affirmation from you? Maybe a a phone call of encouragement, maybe an email. Um, Who needs some encouragement? Who needs some affirmation uh, in a way that says that you matter to God and you matter to me? How might that change their life? Now, as for that Samaritan woman at the well, her life was transformed by her conversation with Jesus. Jesus looked supernaturally into her life and revealed things about her that he could not have possibly known except for his divine insight. And she realizes this must be the long-awaited Messiah. And so what does she do? John 4, verses 28 through 30 say, Then, leaving her water jar, The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Jesus. And then verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And here's the point. She was so overwhelmed by Jesus that she couldn't keep Jesus to herself. She she dropped her water jug. She ran into town. She invited people, come, come and see for yourself. And that's the third gesture of grace that I want to mention. We can extend the gesture of an invitation to bring people to a place where they can meet the Jesus who has changed your life. Now, of course, during the uh, corona crisis that we're in, we're not physically meeting together in one place as a church. So we can't really right now be inviting people to come to the church. But it's almost easier to give someone a call, to drop them an email, to post something on Facebook and encourage them to go to livewc.org and to watch our services online from right there in their home to issue invitations for someone to come and to hear about the grace of God. You never know whose life can be transformed as a result. I remember I was in Des Moines, Iowa earlier this year, and I ran into a pastor. And he said to me, you know, uh, it says, funny to meet you. He said, um, my personal, one of my personal ministries is when I encounter someone who doesn't know Jesus, um, I invite him to come over to my house to watch your movie, The Case for Christ because the gospel is in that movie. I said, that's awesome. I said, what's happened as a result? He said, Lee, so far, 36 people have come to faith in Jesus Christ. I said, that's awesome. That is awesome. What's he doing? He's through this gesture of invitation. He's inviting people to a place where they can hear 
the gospel. We can do things like that. And, and by the way, I don't benefit financially from anybody who streams a movie or buys the DVD of the movie, so I don't have any financial interest in this. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just saying, let's get creative about inviting people to places, whether it's a concert, whether it's a church service, whether it's a Christian movie, where they can hear and encounter the gospel of Jesus. I was just the other day uh, talking to my friend Mark Middleberg about this, and, and Mark uh, told me about the time when uh, we were both involved in the church in Chicago, and we were doing a big baptism service and baptizing people at our little pond, our lake on our property. And uh, he brought his camera, and he was taking pictures of people and say being baptized so he could give them the photos. And this woman who was baptized comes out of the water, she's dripping wet, and she comes over to Mark and she says, do you remember me? Do you recognize me? And Mark said, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't. She said, well, I can understand that. She said, but here's the story. She said, four years ago, I was manager of an apartment complex and you and your wife Heidi came to our complex and you were considering renting an apartment. So I showed you around and I gave you a tour of one of the apartments and in the end you decided not to rent from us. But before you left that day, you invited me to church. In fact, you gave me a little card that had the name of the church and the directions of the church and the times of the church services and you left and I haven't seen you since then till today. She said, what you don't know is that I took you up on that invitation and, and, and I came to your church and I found Jesus Christ and my life has been transformed as a result and today I was baptized. And Mark was so encouraged by that. He said, Lee, you know what that did for me? It made me want to invite people to church recklessly recklessly, whoever I encounter, I want to invite them to come hear about the grace of God. We can do that. So who might God be leading you to invite? Who might God be leading you to say, come to this website so you can hear a message about God's grace? Or um, uh, join me if you can in my house. We can watch a movie together. Or, or when we begin to gather again physically, why don't you come with me? I'll bring you to an amazing place where God's word is proclaimed and lives are changed as a result. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Think of the words of the Gospel of John that tells us that many people came to faith because of the invitation of that Samaritan woman. So that's three ways that we can show gestures of grace. By meeting a need, by providing affirmation, by offering an invitation. How much impact do you think those simple gestures of grace can have? Well, let me tell you a true story that illustrates the kind of difference it can make. It's a story about a man who's in recent years become a friend of mine. His name is Cody Huff. Cody was a convicted burglar. He was a convicted counterfeiter. He was a convicted drug dealer. He was a crack addict. He was a heroin addict. And he was homeless. He was living in the dirt in Las Vegas, literally sleeping in a dirt field at night. Well, one day he was starving and, and, and he, he went behind a pizzeria at night and uh, there was a dumpster there, and he crawled inside the dumpster to search for 
half-eaten uh, chicken wings or, or scraps of pizza crust that have been discarded. And he's digging around this dumpster and suddenly the hopelessness of his situation struck him with full force. And he said to himself, it's come to this. It's come to this. I'm eating out of garbage cans. I'm, I'm digging around in dumpsters. I'm sleeping in a dirt in a field. I'm filthy and I stink and I'm starving to death. And he said, there's no way out. He said, oh God, there's no future and there's no hope. And right there in that dumpster, he collapsed and he began to cry. He said to me, Lee, if I had owned a gun back then, I would have put it in my mouth and I would have pulled the trigger. He said, I was so hungry, I was so exhausted, I was so desperate, I was so ashamed. I had nothing, and I was nothing. Well, he tried to get a job, but, you know, he he was just a mess, and, and people would chase him away when he would try to apply for a job. He tried begging for coins, but that was so demeaning. People would just reject him anyway. And so finally what he did, he got a a bucket and a squeegee, and when people would drive their cars into a parking lot, he would come up and he would offer to clean their windshields for spare change. And so he would work for three days straight doing that, and he would accumulate $40 or $50 by then. And with that, he would get on a bus, and he'd go down to Fremont Street where the drug dealers were, and he would buy $40 or $50 worth of crack, and he would smoke it. Many people just treated him like a dog. In fact, he said, sometimes I'd be crossing a street and a car would actually speed up to try to hit me. But not not everybody, not everybody. There there was that one woman, that one woman in a red Mustang. One day, she pulled into the parking lot where Cody was, and Cody limped over to her car. He didn't really have a limp, but he thought he would get some sympathy if he pretended he had a limp. So he limped over to her car and said, uh, you know, could I wash your windshield? And she said to him, well, you know, I just had my car detailed, so I don't need that, but are you hungry? And he said, oh, ma'am, I'm starving. And so she reached into her, her purse, and she took out, some $5 gift certificates to McDonald's. What was that? What was that? It was a simple and inexpensive gesture of grace, a gesture of meeting a need. And Cody ended up spending all but 12 cents of those gift certificates. He later said it was a lifesaver. It was a gesture of grace that gave him hope. Well, it got to the point where the other homeless who were sleeping in the same field with, home, with Cody, they couldn't even stand to be around Cody. They said, Cody, you stink. Cody, you smell. Cody, you need to take a bath. Cody, you need to get some fresh clothes. And so one day, a, a guy came up to him in, in the field, one of the other homeless guys, and said, hey, I hear there's a church that's offering free showers to folks like us. Why don't we go tomorrow and get a shower? And Cody said, absolutely, I really need one. Let's do it. So the next morning, they got up early. They walked miles and miles across Las Vegas to a church. And they went inside, and there were some refreshments there, some donuts and some coffee, which they grabbed and were eating and drinking. And and they took a number to wait for their turn to get a shower. And as they're waiting, a middle-aged woman, a volunteer at the church named Michelle, walked in the room, and she looked around the room, and she saw Cody. 
And she walked straight over to Cody and she said to him, Sir, you look like you need a hug. And Cody was just aghast at the very idea of that. Here he was, he's gaunt, his hair is matted, his beard is scraggly, his clothes are filthy and stained, his teeth are rotting. And he shook his head and he said, Ma'am, I haven't taken a shower in three months. I smell horrible. But Michelle smiled and she said, Well, you don't smell to me. And she reached out and she wrapped her arms around Cody. And then she looked him in the eye and she said, Did you know that Jesus loves you? And Cody's thinking to himself, He can't love me. Jesus can't love me. I'm homeless. Jesus can't love me. I'm a felon. Jesus can't love me. I'm an addict. Jesus can't love me. I am a bad man. But Michelle looked at him again right in the eye and she repeated it. Did you know that Jesus loves you? What was that? A simple gesture of affirmation. And at that moment, something spiritual sparked in Cody Huff. Years later, he said to me, Lee, plain and simple, get this, that was the pivotal moment of my life. Think about that for a second. The simple gesture of affirmation, the simple message that God loves him was the pivotal moment of his life. He said, at the time in my life when I was the least lovable, when everyone shunned me, when there was no hope of getting out of the mess I was in, when I smelled so bad that even the other homeless didn't want to be around me, there she was with this simple expression of the grace of God. And, and, and something happened in my heart. And I said, Cody, what was it? Tell me about it. What happened in your heart? And he kind of stumbled around. And he said, well, Lee, you know, it, it, it was a hug, but it was more than that. It was what the hug was saying to me. I accept you. I care about you. You matter to me. You have value. You have worth. You have dignity as a human being. He said, that was the first time in so long that anyone cared if I lived or if I died. Even I didn't care anymore, he said. I think he said, that's why I kept doing the drugs. I was hoping that the next hit would stop my heart. And then he said, this hug, and he snapped his fingers and he said, it changed everything. Friends, that is the power of a simple gesture of affirmation. But Michelle didn't stop there. She also offered another gesture of grace. She also offered him an invitation. She said, well, sir, do you want to go to church? And Cody said, well, yeah, but the building might fall down. And so he went with Michelle to a church service at Central Christian Church right there in Las Vegas. And he insisted on sitting way up in the balcony, way up in the dark. And he heard a pastor friend of mine, Judd Wilhite, talk about the love and the grace of God. And all of this started an insatiable appetite in Cody to learn about Jesus. It culminated Three weeks later, three weeks later, in the dirt where he slept at night, he said, Lee, he said, I didn't really know anything about the Bible except God loves me 
Jesus died for me. I'm a sinner. Forgiveness is available, and I wanted it. He said, I didn't even know how to pray. I, I got on my knees with my face in the dirt, crying like a baby, and I said, God, I'm so tired. I'm tired of the drugs. Please take them away from me. It's like I've been driving my own car, and all I ever do is get in these head-on collisions. Why don't you drive, God? I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I want to surrender my life to you. God, please make me a new man. Make me a new man. Do you know how much God loves to answer a prayer like that? And he answered Cody's prayer. He did. Over time, he changed Cody's heart, and he changed Cody's desires, and he ended his appetite for drugs, and Cody joined every Bible study in town, and he became a regular volunteer at the church, and he told everybody he met about Jesus, all the homeless in the, in the field where they slept, he told them about Jesus. He finally got a job. He got an apartment. He became self-sufficient. He then started to get an education, and today, Cody Huff is an ordained Baptist pastor in the city of Las Vegas. And he's consulted by the governor and by the mayor on how do we handle the homeless problem. And every week, Cody goes to a park right near the field where he used to sleep at night, and he issues an invitation to all the homeless to come. And I was there for one of his little outdoor impromptu services that he held. And all the homeless would come in and they would sit at his feet. And he would offer them gestures of grace. He met their needs by providing a free meal of chicken. There was little barbecue grills there and volunteers would be cooking chicken to, to meet the need of hunger that these homeless people have. And he offered affirmation through a hug, through a pat on the shoulder, through a handshake, through the words about the grace of God to give dignity and hope to the homeless. And then he would give them the gesture of an invitation, an invitation to personally meet and personally know forever Jesus Christ himself. And remember the woman in the red Mustang that I told you about? Well, she is there Every time he does one of these weekly events, she's in the back. She's cooking the chicken on the grills to feed the other homeless. Her name is Heather. And today, Heather and Cody are husband and wife. They got married. Isn't that awesome? I mean, God transformed Cody's life. I remember he called me not long ago and he was all excited. We talk on the phone time to time and he called me. He said, Lee, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? He said, well, you know, because of my meth addiction, all my teeth rotted out. But there was this dentist in our church and he said, Cody, you give so much to us. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a mouth of teeth. And he said, Lee, he didn't charge me a dime. He gave me an entire new mouth of teeth. I said, well, that's fantastic. How's that going? He said, Lee, it's so fantastic. He said, you know, when I smile, I, 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 I look like Joel Osteen. <laughs> I thought that was great. Friends, that is the power 
of three simple gestures of grace. The gesture of meeting a need, the gesture of affirmation, the gesture of offering an invitation. And that, friends, is what I call the grace rule. Give unto others the grace that God has showered on you. And so let me end by praying that we might do this. But you know, it struck me as I was talking about Cody that maybe, maybe you have never met this Jesus. Maybe you have never received this gift of his grace. Maybe you're not like Cody. Maybe you're not homeless or you're not living in the dirt. I wasn't. I was successful. I had a degree from Yale Law School. I was legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. I was riding high, but I needed God, and I needed his grace, and I needed his forgiveness every bit as much as Cody Huff did. Have you received Jesus Christ as your forgiver and as your leader? Has he changed your life? Has you let him transform your life? Do you want to? Are you like Cody where you say, I'm tired of trying to live on my own? God, I need you. I want you. Take my life. Drive the car of my life. Change me for your glory and open heaven for me at the end of this life. I just want to offer a prayer. And if you want to take that step and know for a fact that you are safely in the family of God forever, then I'll just ask you, you know, I'm not even going to ask you to close your eyes. Just look right at me and say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, as best I can, I do believe that you are the Son of God. You proved it by returning from the dead. And I confess the obvious, which is that I am a sinner. There's no mystery about that. I've done things I knew they were wrong before I did them, and I did them anyway. And I confess it, and I'm sorry, and I want to turn from my sin. And in an attitude of repentance and faith, I want to receive. Receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that you purchased for me on the cross when you died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. Lord, Help me to live the kind of life that you want me to live. Because from this moment on, I am yours. And now, Father, we thank you for those that have put their trust in your son, Jesus Christ, at this very minute. We are excited for them, for their lives to be transformed as mine has been, as Cody's has been, as millions of other people's have been. And, and, and we, we thank you for the grace that you have flowed into their heart and soul at this very moment. And we thank you for this church, a, a city on a hill that spreads your grace far and wide, that meets needs that affirms people wherever they are, that they matter to you. And that gives an invitation for those that want to know you. We thank you for the opportunity to be part of what you are doing here. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, if you took that step of receiving Jesus Christ just now, I'd ask you, you know, right there on your screen, uh, you can click where it says, raise your hand. 
Let us know. Let us know so we can pray for you and for God's work in your life. Click that where it says, raise your hand. God bless you. I'll see you next week when we'll talk about the truth of God. God bless. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.